Welcome once again to The Art of Bridging, a podcast series made by the Distant Voices Project. We've had a little pause over the festive season and some COVID times, but we're glad to be back for this fifth episode. If this is the first time you're joining us, then it might be helpful for you to know that for the last five years, we've been involved in creative collaboration in Scotland's prisons and with communities affected by the criminal justice system. We've been trying to better understand what it's like to come home after prison and asking questions about what needs to change in our societies so that everyone has a chance to thrive. So today's episode is called The Beams and it continues the theme of creative collaboration and bridge building. It's about the beams that reach out across uncertain in-between spaces when we make things together. Forming bridges between different people's stories, between different aspects of identity, between reality and fiction, and between the personal and the political. So to explore these themes, today's episode is going to focus on the making of a very unique thing, a narrative gig and film called A Giant on the Bridge. Before we find out more about that, I am delighted to welcome Joe and Gordon from the Distant Voices community, who are also both part of the project's core group. The core group is a group of people with different connections to the criminal justice system, personal, professional, academic or creative. And everyone in the core group has helped to guide the research process in Distant Voices. Joe and Gordon are going to take us on a little behind the scenes journey where we'll find out about something called trees, which played an important part in the creation of A Giant on the Bridge. And of course, we'll hear some songs together. A warm welcome to you both. As ever, we will start with the question that we never get bored of asking. Tell us about a song or a piece of music that you're enjoying listening to at the moment. Do you want an honest answer? Or do you want a sort of cool, cool no, answer? No, I want an honest answer. Definitely yeah. honest. <laughs> the honest answer is my music tastes are dictated by my daughter at the minute, and it's um, Harry Styles. Ah, yes. classy. Who is um, dominating the airwaves here because <laughs> she's got tickets to go and see him. So Harry Styles is taking over from Michael Bublé, which was our previous <laughs> um, <laughs> Christmas choice. He's a style icon. I think a lot of people have taken up knitting since he wore that multicoloured jumper. You know, he, he's a cool dude. I never realised how much I enjoyed his music. I think I seriously underestimated the guy. So you managed to do honest and cool in the same fell swoop. There you go. Win-win. Good job. <laughs> Is there a particular song by Harry that you're enjoying at the moment? Couldn't tell. Uh, watermelon or something? Watermelon sugar. That gets in my head. Yeah. Oh, so badly. Absolute earworm. <laughs> watermelon sugar. High. Watermelon sugar. High. Watermelon sugar. Joe, what have you got in your headphones? My one isn't as cool as that, but every so often you come across a song that might not even be your taste exactly, but it just kind of helps you through a hard time. And I've got one of those at the moment, which is a song called Lost in the Light by Mm. Bahamas. Um, who isn't a band that I know very well, but it was on the soundtrack of something I was watching and it just grabbed me. I'm lost in the light I pray for the night to take me, to take me to Just this beautiful choir of vocals in it that's just amazing and just a line, line in the chorus about all the hard things we've all got to do gets me every time. Help you to see you through all the hard things we've all got to do because this life is long. So, I'm not sure what it is about the song, but it won't leave me alone at the moment, and I'm kind of clinging to it like a life raft. Some of the most powerful relationships with songs, I think, are when they jump out at us like that, and we just, yeah, cling on to them. That's a good image for it. <laughs> Great recommendations. Thanks, guys. If you came along to the Distant Voices Festival at the end of 2021, you might have seen A Giant on the Bridge. But for any listeners who haven't seen it, Joe, could you maybe explain a little bit about what it is and where it came from? Yeah, sure. So Giant on the Bridge is a weird, exciting hybrid of a gig and a theatre piece. 
where songs from the Distant Voices project are performed gig style, but they're interwoven with storytelling in various forms. So there's rap, poetry, fairy tale, pieces of music. And that's done in such a way that the songs are drawn into a larger narrative. And that narrative follows six or seven main characters, an imprisoned giant, a prince, a little girl, a man about to be released from prison, a songwriter, a letter writer recovering from trauma, a sister. And they're stories that are told or performed by the musicians who are the wonderful Rachel Samani, Louis Abbott, Jill O'Sullivan, Solarai, and myself, Joe Mango. The stories become increasingly interwoven in a really exciting way. It was co-created on a huge number of levels using a lot of new creative methods and that was done I guess with a view to a giant on the bridge distilling and exploring important aspects of what we've been learning through all this songwriting in Distant Voices. So the characters are based on the different perspectives or forms of experience that are represented in the core group and in the people we've been working with and how they relate to the criminal justice system. And the themes that the stories explore are themes that many Distant Voices songs and outputs have in common. Sometimes I think of it like a kind of gig version of a research essay. Now that makes it sound really boring, <laughs> possibly, <laughs> depending on how you feel about research essays. But where if I was writing an essay then about what we had learned, you know, I would take interviews with participants, field notes that had been taken or observations of things and the songs that had been written, for example, and I would write something that gave an overview or an exploration of what we could learn from all of that. And I guess A Giant on the Bridge is an artistic interpretation of that, where instead of writing an essay, we wrote songs and stories and raps that incorporate all those things and present them in a really multi-layered way. I guess you can't conclude a project like Distant Voices um, we certainly can't, certainly can't conclude it because communities go on and you can't really make conclusions about it either. It's too complicated. Communities and songs are living things. They can't be tied up neatly. And so we thought it fitting to make a kind of complicated, layered thing instead. Um, and that is A Giant on the Bridge. Amazing. So you can tell from that that there's a lot of complexity going on here. What we'd like to do in today's episode is a little bit of time travel. Um, we're going to go back in time and we're going to trace some little threads of the development of A Giant on the Bridge and hear how some of the layers of story and song have come to be part of it. So right now we're going to travel back to about 2018, near the beginning of the Distant Voices project. And at that time, the album Not Known at This Address had just been released. And we're going to hear a track from it now. Uh, so this is Frank's song, written with Rachel Sermani. And here's what Frank has to say about the song. This song is about going from no musical knowledge to playing a gig. The feelings that accompany that journey, from living up to others' expectations of you and realising your own hopes and dreams. The natural high and euphoric happiness music can give you and others around you when all the elements come together and create their magic. And fittingly, Frank also plays guitar on the studio recording of the track. This is Frank's song. Long hours Sore fingers The Glory 
What a tune. I always find it difficult after we've played a tune on the podcast. It's very hard to not sound like a local radio DJ. <laughs> anyway, Gordon, you'll have heard Frank's song quite a few times by now, I imagine. Was there something that resonates with you or jumps out at you from the song today? I love this song. It's a, it's a beautiful song and I have lived with it for quite a while. I've not heard it for a wee while, but the thing that always strikes me most about this song is the mood that it creates. It's the atmosphere, it's the music and the arrangement and the instrumentation. And I think sometimes it always creates a kind of emotional response for me. Music sounds quite, almost kind of claustrophobic. Mm. And I love how sparse it is and, and, and the echo. I didn't immediately recognise the song as a bit to play guitar. And then when somebody explains it to you, it's so obvious. But um, it's a beautiful song in the end, but it just opens up the sunshine refrain. Mm. It's just like literally the sunshine is spilling in. It's just a very, very powerful piece of music. And the lyrics are obviously bullet points. I like how immediate they are and how descriptive. Mm-hmm. You just get these glimpses. It's like you're zooming in on different like bits of the picture. It's very physical, almost, the lyrics. It's very yeah. immediate and, uh, and um, you can visualise it. Yeah. yeah, great song. Absolutely. Thanks, Gordon. So continuing with our time travel, as a core group in Distant Voices, one of our first research tasks was to respond to the album to try to understand it better. We wanted to explore what the songs might mean in relation to coming home and how the songs were experienced as they travelled out into the world and connected with people. So we began to make something called Trees. Joe, you started us off on this process, so could you tell us a little bit about Trees and maybe about how Trees connect Frank's song to A Giant on the Bridge? Yeah, I mean, it's a long and complicated journey, but yes. I'll Go do on, best. take us on that journey. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, trees, I love a nature metaphor. And so trees is an acronym and it stands for tiny research explorations and inquiries. We kind of wanted to find a way that we could all, with our different types of experience and different ways of understanding things or engaging with things in the core group, a way that we could all do research together. And so Trees was an attempt to do that. So it's really a very open format. It's just a little task, which, as you say, Lucy, was pick a song or a few songs from the album and respond to it to try and understand it better in whatever way you would usually go about understanding things. So for me as a songwriter, I would write a song to understand something better. And so that's what I did. Other people had little group conversations about it. Others posted in an online forum and had an online chat. There was poetry written in response to the songs. There were interviews as well. 
And we learned so much from that first round of trees. It was amazing to get back together and hear what everyone had created and which songs they had responded to. And Frank's song seemed to be the song that the most people had chosen to respond to in some way. Others had been chosen a lot, but I think Frank's song was peculiarly emotive, I think, for people, or which is straight, uh, not strange, but was unexpected because it's such a simple song in many ways, but so powerful and so atmospheric. And so a theme kind of began emerging at that stage in the tree responses. And that was the difficult conversations that come up when you try and bridge different perspectives. So there were voices that were replying to songs, not just Frank's song, but other songs from the album and asking, but what about this perspective? Or what about this person? How do they fit? It was like more voices wanted to join in the conversation that Frank's song had started. And that was seemed to be a really rich and complicated conversation and so people in their trees they voiced perspectives of um, people who'd been harmed by crime or the siblings of those in prison Mm. people who worked in the system or they spoke about how the contents of the song resonated with experiences of their own or difficult memories or uplifting ones so it kind of highlighted that songs are never really monologues they always Mm. participate in a dialogue with us as listeners or with audiences within people in between people And so that set us off on a journey of wanting to carry on that dialogue, particularly between songs in the project that might have seemed like they didn't have dialogue between them or there was a big chasm between the perspectives because we thought songs might be able to help us to do that. So that's where trees began to take us. Mm. That chasm, you know, brings us back to that metaphor of, of bridging. And thinking about how art in general and songwriting in particular holds that kind of space for different perspectives to come a bit closer to each other, including, you know, perspectives that might be in in tension or in conflict with one another. We know that one of the major harms of the criminal justice system is how it separates people from their communities and social contexts. And it prevents exactly the kinds of dialogue that might help here, that might bring healing or understanding or restoration to everyone affected by crime um, in that complex network of people that you were were talking about there. So tell us, Joe and Gordon, you were both involved in the next step of the process of trying to kind of bridge these these perspectives that were in tension with one another. So is that where the idea um, of sort of using some principles and values from restorative justice practices came into the picture? Do you want to tell us a little bit about about that yeah so I started thinking I you know I've come into this as a songwriter and a song writing researcher and I wanted to understand about expertise generating dialogue in especially difficult circumstances and we wondered how we might learn about that so that we could start writing songs um, or exploring that with songs and Gordon introduced me to um, a colleague of his at work Rachel Fleming who was interested in restorative justice and we started to think what if we were to take, what if we were to choose songs from the from the Distant Voices project that had been written so far that seemed to be in dialogue with each other, like the Trees songs were with the Distant Voices album, or some songs that seemed like they could never be in dialogue with each other? What if we took those songs to a bunch of people who work in and have great experience in fields like restorative justice, but also mediation? What if we what if we took them those songs and we and we said to them, If these songs were people and you were facilitating a meeting between them to get them to talk, how would you do that? And Gordon, you came to and really ably assisted in facilitating those discussions where we it was so fascinating to sit down with the songs and hear how these experts heard the song and the voice behind the song and how they thought, well, you know, this is the journey we'd have to go on to get to get these songs to be in dialogue together. Mm. We learned so much from that workshop. And then we wrote we wrote some songs that bridged, that, that attempted to make that dialogue or sing about that dialogue, what that would be between those those different songs. Yeah, Gordon, maybe you should talk a bit from your perspective about that journey and that workshop. That weekend in Belfast and, and those workshops we did, it was quite a powerful experience for me because I found myself in a position that I wasn't that familiar with, even after a lot of years a criminal justice social worker. It's the first time I'd, I'd be able to have a dialogue with people who were involved in the restorative justice system mm. where they were putting people who had experienced crime first. And in my job as a criminal justice social worker, the people who have been victims of crime are really, they don't really have a voice. 
in my day-to-day -day work, I, I'm dealing more with supporting and managing and supervising people and community payback orders are, are through court and, and um, people who have experienced the crimes, they're almost like a footnote mm. in what I do. There may be a name in a bit of paper, they don't always seem quite real to me. So having that dialogue with people over in Belfast who are working on a day-to-day -day basis uh, with people gave me a lot to, to think about. And I think I, I, although I was facilitating a couple of groups, I think I learned more than I gave from, from, from that experience to the point when I came back to Glasgow and, and started to look so proactively to get involved in, in restorative justice, which is, is very early days here. Even things like language, I found very powerful over there, like using the word victim. The practitioners over there didn't use that word. They would say that the person had been assaulted or the person had experienced the crime because the victim word is something we almost ascribe on someone, and they might not want that label. They might not feel that they're a victim. It's like taking power away from them. And I think it just made me think quite a lot about the power of language and uh, what it can infer if we don't use it carefully. Yeah, I was the same. I was on a massive learning curve in that workshop. I think it's a sign of a good workshop if everyone feels like they took away more than they gave. Because <laughs> it's, it's just a sign of a workshop that generates a lot of goodness, I guess. Sometimes when you're in a project that kind of highlights a lot of failings of the system or a lot of the harm that's caused to people in all directions by systems, it can really weigh you down or sometimes there's a lack of hopefulness, even when you're writing songs, which often mitigate against that. And I think for me, that workshop, it just breathed kind of hope into the process. It was these people saying, yeah, I could get those people to talk. <laughs> like, I just know how I would do that. They just seemed so certain that, that they had the expertise that could help to make a dialogue. If only they could, if only they were allowed to bring those people together or to bring their voices together. And like you say, Lucy, that's one of the big harms of the system is that it doesn't allow that. And, you know, Gordon has put it so, so well there that the way the system's set up, certain voices are just footnotes in other people's spreadsheets. Mm. Yeah, I think... I think part of what's so powerful about creative acts for me is that it helps people to to step into all sorts of different identities and to realise, you know, that there's no one label that, that applies to any of us. And so words like victim or perpetrator or, you know, anything that, that suggests that that is all that that person is are problematic I think so a good starting point is is to start with people um people who have experienced this to make sure that we are framing people as people and not as just one label so we're gonna have a listen to one of the songs that emerged from that restorative justice songwriting workshop uh, and this is a song that features in a giant on the bridge Joe maybe you could introduce it for us and tell us a wee bit about where this song came from. Yeah, so it was in that workshop. It's actually a kind of cut and shut song. So Louis had worked with a group and had written a song with the group and I had written a song based in what me and my group had spoken about. And Resolution is actually a kind of the verses of Louis' song and the chorus and bridge for my song put together. They just so neatly worked together and seemed greater than the sum of their parts. And it it isn't actually a bridging song between two of the songs that we set up um, for the groups to talk about, but it's more about what the practice of making dialogue happen is like. Um, and I think it's really helpful in that way. And in the show, it, it's sung and voiced with relation to, to my character, Clem, who is attempting to, she's very weighed down by her work um, and she's attempting to resolve the tension between various aspects of her work like um she works in a prison and helps people to articulate write letters and articulate themselves she also has her own experience of being harmed by crime which is coming back to her and she's trying to understand how to how to put those things in dialogue with each other and so resolution is is a song for her but it's also a bit of a clarion call to think about how systems could be designed differently so that we don't take away the opportunity for healing or dialogue or transformation or restoration. So this is Resolution by Lily Abbott and myself with restorative justice practitioners assisted by Rachel Samani, Fergus McNeil and Gordon McKean. I set the table as well as I could. 
And that was the live audio from the film A Giant on the Bridge, so you're getting a real taste of it here. But Joe, there was an earlier version, wasn't there, that was made uh, during the first lockdown? We were supposed to rehearse the show and put it on like within a few weeks of the first, the first lockdown in March 2020. And we were just kind of so, all of us were so desperate that we weren't able to do that, that we decided that we would still record we would still perform it and record it but each from our separate little houses and so it's so funny to remember that you know Louis was separated in his house and I was separated in my house and how hard it was to sing together because that wasn't really possible in real time and then the contrast of that and you know there's a a line in there about having a seat we can both sit upon to listen to each other it came from a story that one of the mediators told about a session that they 
facilitated. And I think I'm right in saying it was between a woman who had been distracted by her phone when driving and had hit another woman's husband and killed him. And she facilitated a session between them to talk about this and how she went away to the toilet. And when she came back, they were sitting on the same seat together. They'd, they'd got to that level of resolve through a long process, obviously, not in an instant. And, and just how distant both sitting on the same seat kind of seemed in lockdown and the irony of doing this project and being physically separated from each other. Do you remember hearing these songs for the first time in a tiny hotel room in Belfast, Gordon, when they'd just been written? I do. And I remember the first time hearing when you, you blended them both together. And like you said, it was it was seamless. They just seemed to complement each other so so well. What I like really about this song is, is the attention to detail in the lyric. Um, it's very evocative. So I can remember the, the importance people were placing on the little details, which is how you set a room up. The distance chairs were from each other and, and making it a safe space. And I love the line, I hope I've heard it right, is it the want to be heard? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That always jumps out to me when I hear the song because I think in my job, people often feel they've been talked at by social workers. And I think to be able to listen is a very undervalued skill. Mm-hmm. It's a gift. And to be able to give someone your full attention and really hear what they're saying can be very cathartic and empowering. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the stuff that people are talking about in that workshop we were at was the skill of listening. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing, wasn't it, how a lot of the practitioners, they used musical language to describe what they would do. So they spoke about kind of tuning, being like tuning a piano, like listening to the room and calibrating it. So those little details that you talk about, Gordon, yeah. are a part of that, like calibrating exactly right. And they spoke about they spoke about the rhythm of listening and knowing exactly how long a silence to leave um, so that a person could could say the thing that was difficult to say and and no one went into being before it got too uncomfortable but people had to also learn to live with that discomfort that was part of the process yeah um and also the, all the work that went into before a conference or the, pre- the preparation you should take weeks and weeks before you got to a point where you could mm-hmm. get two people in a room yeah and like a musical analogy that's like all the rehearsal you have to put in before your performance yeah to get it spot on to get it right on the night so to speak there's so much at stake if something goes wrong in that conference, mm-hmm. it could go badly, badly wrong. Yeah. So it's a really high stakes work profession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of reflected in Giant in the kind of grander form of it, where all the performers do monologues. So they just tell their own story between the songs. But as the show goes on, those become more and more interconnected. And we realise that they're not separate stories, that they do relate to each other. And not to give anything away, but at the end of the show, we... We, we come to dialogue and all of the characters are drawn into the beginnings of a dialogue together. And that was really intentional. And what came out of a lot of strands or themes of the project is about changes that are required to allow dialogue to happen mm. and, and music's role in that. Mm. So many sort of layers and levels of what's going on, I think, in this project. Just thinking about all these different kind of aspects of bridging, you know, between people's stories, between different sort of layers of people's identities, between perspectives, between communities. Gordon, you've been part of uh, lots of this kind of work for a long time. You've been part of the Vox Unbound community really since the start, I think, and been part of Distant Voices and you've been involved in the core group and, and in developing Giant. Could you tell us a wee bit about, maybe just reflect a little bit for us about what what that's been like and any bridges or connections that you've discovered along the way? That's a big question. It's a big question. You can take it in any direction that you want to. <laughs> okay. My first experience of Vox Luminous was going to a little two-day workshop and I genuinely thought I was only there to make up the numbers. Like there was a sort of vacancy for a social worker to be there to kind of make balance. And I did not expect one minute to be writing a song. What began as a nerve-wracking and absolutely panic and just experience ended up being a powerful and enabling and liberating experience for me. For some days, I always loved music, but never thought that they had a song in them. After two days, they've been given the support and encouragement and uh, advice needed to, to sort of produce a song. I've never looked back from that. And from that, I began to get involved in the Unbound on Tuesday nights. I always went to those sessions and I would never introduce myself as a social worker, not because I was wanting to hide what I did for a living or, 
because I was worried about getting an adverse reaction. It was because when I walked through the doors at Unbound, I was there as a member of the Unbound community, someone who loved music, enjoyed that space, liked interacting with the people there. But at the same time, I knew we all had the, the common bond that we're all involved in one capacity or another with the criminal justice system, be it either people who had uh, lived experience or they were academics or they were research- researchers or they were a, a practitioner like like myself. And to me, I suppose that was building a bridge and that I was maybe spending time with people who were involved in the criminal justice system. But the dynamic was totally different. I wasn't there to manage risk. I wasn't there to make sure they were keeping appointments. I was just there to see people for who they are. I think that's the thing I liked about it, is you got to just see people for who they were. And as a as a criminal justice worker, that was refreshing to see a really rounded person and get to know someone and then get to know me beyond the label of being a social worker. And if they did find out I was a social worker, nothing changed in how they responded to me. Although I was also conscious that there were sometimes people in the room who maybe had bad experiences of social work, bad experiences of the system or the criminal justice system, and that would understandably could make them a bit wary and and suspicious. And the only thing, the only way I could really manage that kind of scenario if I sensed that was an issue is to give that person space but but not but not avoid them. And if you can spend time with that person and go back to the listening thing, they feel listened to and they feel you're, you're listening to them actively and attentively. I think it helps to build up a relationship and, and trust between you. So I think maybe for me, what I've taken away from Unbound and my the core group and distant voices is give myself a wee shake, basically, and get back to first principles, the things you maybe did when you first started out in your career before you felt so, I won't say burnt out, but you, you feel a bit, you become a bit of a machine, to be honest with you. You can go into automatic pilot a bit too easily. And um, like I said, my experience on Unbound is maybe just, yeah, woke up, to be the way to put it. I woke up a little bit. Kind of reminds me of the, the play on words and the title of the song Resolution, which is about resolving something but it's also about getting more detail and being able to see something in greater resolution and when what you described there is is that process isn't it of being able to see people more for themselves or going back and giving attention to the details of people and that's what songs and distant voices do so well is bring those details Mm, absolutely Back to A Giant on the Bridge just for a moment. So as you said, Joe, it was originally planned as a live show and then because of Corona, it became a film instead. And the film was screened as part of the Distant Voices Festival, but it would be great to hear what your plans are with it. What's going to happen next? Is it going to be available for people to see? How can people see it? Well, I don't want to say it out loud in case I jinx it, in case coronavirus hears me saying it and uh, rubs its greasy hands. But um, (laughs) we're hoping we can turn it back into a live show and we're in the process of looking at the logistics and timing of that. Obviously, we don't want to do it too soon and make it at risk of being cancelled again. So hopefully later this year, we might be able to make it a live show in theatres probably. So if you'd like to know about that, then you could keep in touch via Fox Luminous social media or mailing list even if that doesn't happen we have a film um, which we're hoping to release and it will be freely available online at the end of the day and again if you keep in touch with Vox Luminous you should be able to hear about when that happens so you could watch the film version either on a big screen somewhere around Scotland or just freely available online so it's coming soon Brilliant. Thanks, Joe. So there will be chances to experience a giant on the bridge in some form. So do keep an ear to the ground or an eye on the Vox Luminous social media for more on that as plans emerge. So if you're a regular listener to The Art of Bridging, you'll know that in each episode we feature a song from the archive. A song from the Distant Voices project that's maybe not been shared in public before or not featured on one of the official releases from the project. We really love bringing out these tunes and giving them a chance to be heard in the world. And on each episode, we've had a different team of guest listeners who've had a chance to listen and respond to the song. So today we're going to hear from Ariane, Jake and Laura. But before that, let's hear a bit more about this song. Gordon, this is one of your trees and it's a real beauty. Would you like to tell us a bit about it? The song's called um, The Way to the Sky and it goes back twenty. 18, I can't recall, on one of the, the weekend retreats we all went away on Distant Voices. And there was a brainstorming exercise just about issues or themes that might want to develop that, that were um, part of the, the process. And one of them was mental mental illness. So I chose that one 
at that time. And I think, I can maybe say now with a wee bit of distance, I think at that time I wasn't really in a great headspace myself. There's just a lot of things going on in my life. My dad was ill and work was busy and there were some personal things going on and I just was feeling like a weight. Just you would feel you'd be walking about, you could just feel this this weight on you. But it was it was difficult to talk about. And I think the thing about songs that I know is is true for me and maybe true for other people. I think it gives you the opportunity to, exp- to express things that you might find difficult to articulate or share with other people. But you can you can share it in a song, or you can disguise it in a song, or you can hide it in a song, and you still get your feelings out there, but from a remove from a safe distance where you're not maybe immediately accountable for it. And I think this song was that that exercise for me. It was very powerful and it was very, very cathartic. And I enjoyed writing it. And for me, it was quite quick. It only took about 18 months to write this song. So that was a kind of <laughs> a sprint, a sprint for me. And um, I think the first verse came fast. The second verse was a, was a struggle. Eventually it came and Joe talked about using nature. Um, in our songs, and I went for weather metaphors uh, when I found out that the word threat, as in to worry, was also like a, a similar, like a ha, like a mist. And, and I mentioned rhyme in the song, and rhyme's like a, like a freezing fog, and it could have, but it also can be words that rhyme and complement each other. And I liked that a lot about wordplay, and I just, I just went to get through the second verse. The song was basically an exercise for me to express and get out of my system how I was feeling at the time. I'm not in that headspace anymore, but um, it's a song I'm actually proud of. I don't often say that about much I write about, and I'm, and I'm particularly proud that Joe had something in it that she wanted to to cover it and take it in her own direction, and, and she took it to a place that I would never have imagined. I think she captured perfectly the kind of mood that maybe I was trying to express.
Hello, my name's Ariane. Hello, my name is Laura. My name's Jake Phillips, and the song that I listened to was Weight of the Sky. It's a really beautiful ethereal song, and I guess it captures that sadness that all of us are sometimes capable of feeling. I really like this song insofar as you can like something which is so haunting and so evocative of feeling low, depression, mental ill health. I like the way that the lyrics kind of captured that bit about keep your distance, but also in the chorus, the song says, don't give up on me, don't give up on me too easily. And I suppose that just made me think about that way that people can want people to be there for them when they're feeling really down, but also uh, be pushing them away at the same time. And that, I guess, fits with the metaphor of the sea and that kind of push-pull of the tide that's kind of woven through the song lyrics. And it made me think as well of um, one of the songs that featured in one of the previous podcasts, The White Horses, where the white horses became more of those waves, became more of a symbol of hope and new beginnings. And I really liked the way that the sea and weight of the sky kind of had that more darker element. And of course, it's, it's both things at the same time. To me, the song feels so honest and true. It's performed so tenderly and yet the weight of the words convey so well the struggle of dealing with mental health challenges. The line which uh, stood out for me or the lines which stood out for me go honeycomb brittle inside with no place to hide from the weight of the sky. I think this is a really powerful metaphor for the way in which people with mental health have to often hold things inside sometimes struggle to articulate what they are feeling until, in many cases, everything eventually becomes too much. People become overwhelmed and everything crumbles and cracks like good honeycomb does. My favourite line is honeycomb brittle inside. That made me think about how honeycomb looks brittle but is in fact incredibly strong and I feel that ultimately it's this feeling of strength and courage that I take away from this beautiful song. I'd just like to thank Gordon, really, for putting those words to paper and uh, making such a powerful song. Today in The Art of Bridging, we've heard about growing trees, tiny research explorations and inquiries, as a way to create a kind of forest of dialogue, not only between individuals and their unique perspectives and experiences, but also between songs and other artworks. The creation of a giant on the bridge illustrates how these trees became the beams of a bridge, reaching out across spaces of harm or conflict, bringing songs and stories and perspectives into dialogue with each other. A giant on the bridge shows us that often the bridges that we need are not just lines from A to B, but more intricate and layered and multi-directional spaces that make connection and restoration possible. Huge thanks to everyone involved in this episode. To Joe and Gordon, to our guest listeners Laura, Ariane and Jake, to all the songwriters involved in this week's featured songs, Rachel Sermani and Frank, Joe Mango, Louis Abbott, the restorative justice practitioners in Belfast and Gordon McKean. The title music today is Rewind by Donna Machocha with Sean H. And if you'd like to hear more music from the project, there's no shortage of earworms on the Vox Luminous Bandcamp page. As you probably know by now, we love a bit of dialogue, so let us know your thoughts and reflections in response to this series. You can get in touch on the Vox Luminous social media channels or at voxluminous.co.uk. My name's Lucy Cathcart-Froden and I've been your host and it's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. <laughs>